Welcome back, everybody, for another fun episode of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And today I have a guest on who I think I might have known close to since the beginning of time in my little whiskey journey and has become a dear friend over the years and I'm really proud to call him that. He's he's a legend in in all aspects in my mind, in other people's minds. I think he just he's a very special individual. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to invite Ori to join us on the show today. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, Gavin. How are you doing, brother? You know, hot, as we discussed. This is not the weather we signed up for, but we'll take it, right? Yeah. They go, we were complaining about the cold. I know. It's like, we can't get it right over here, but this is, it's, it's like, hey, listen, summer is here, baby. Cor, do you want to tell the audience a couple of tidbits about yourself? Introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Koraya Zimmer. I am, I consider myself as a true whiskey passionate, I would say. Uh, like, that's all, mm-hmm. that, that's everything that brought me to this point. And, but I'm from Turkey. I moved to the States a little bit more than six years ago. In my background, I worked as a saxophonist, then as a civil engineer, and I found myself in the whiskey world, uh, which I think will get into detail, but it's, it has been the best thing uh, that has ever be, like happened in my life. And right now I'm living in Los Angeles, enjoying this beautiful hot weather, getting ready to release a new whiskey. Tell you, buddy, so proud of you. Give me a brief, like a brief history of when the light bulb went off on your head. Wow, whiskey is, there's something here. Oh, um, there has been multiple occasions, honestly, in different ages. Uh, so as I told you, I was a saxophone, so I always had this easy access to alcoholic beverages in the back bar or the backstage. And, you know, the minimum wage for drinking alcohol is a little bit uh, younger in Europe. In Turkey, it was 18, mm-hmm. so I had more access to that. And that was one of the things. My dad and his friends when i was a kid they drank a lot of blended scotch whiskeys and you know that was a scene that you understand he had mini bottles so i was keeping an eye on them i, I wasn't drinking anything but you know with the with as we being a saxophonist gave me the access to try it like beer wine will be turkish spirit which we call raku and at the backstage we were trying it then I was lucky enough to go and travel other countries when I was in the college. And I got really interested in different types of liqueur and everything else. You know, when I go to Tallinn, Estonia, I understood, I got, I got an understanding of their national liqueur called Wana Tallinn. Like, likewise in the other countries. And, but whiskey was always one of the stable bottles in those countries when I visited them. So I, well, if if I could, I was trying them. And honestly, so go, back to, go back to your your dad, your dad in the uh, Friends. What did what what did blended whiskeys? What were the blended whiskeys oh, in, in in your dad's cupboard? From what I remember right now, I've seen a lot of bottle of Johnny Walker for sure. She was that's for sure. But interestingly, he had from seventies. He bought a few big bottles and a lot of small bottles of teachers which is interestingly uh, owned by the company that I'm working for right now. That's weird. Um, That's but yeah, we had... Yeah. 
we had a lot of these small blended whiskies. At the time, single malt was an effect. And still, no, no, no. no, no. So, my dad's cupboard. My dad, my dad's cupboard was J and B, Johnny Walker, and maybe and Shivers was actually like the fancy one. You know, she was, she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was with, yeah. like the like, oh, hey, you know, like this is a special occasion. We're gonna have shivers. And the shivers I'm talking about is not the shivers twelve or you know the other ones. No. I'm talking about Royal Salute. He bought Royal Salute at the time, which I actually brought a bottle from Turkey. <laughs> yeah, but but that's what it was. I mean, there was no, you know, there. I, I remember just so much camaraderie, mm-hmm. but it was drinking. Nobody was. I don't remember in my first, you know, because also growing up in another country where the drinking age was 18, I don't ever, ever in my entire life seeing anyone grab a whiskey, smell it, taste it, think about it. No, they put it on the rock no, and no. drink it. You no, know? I, I, don't, I remember a lot of whiskey sodas and whiskey, co- uh, whiskey yeah. and coke. Yeah, that, that's yeah, how, how people you know? drink it. Yeah, that was because there was no fancy mixed cocktails. There was none of that. It was like, hey, you go out, you, you get a whiskey and Coke or whiskey soda or whiskey on the rocks. I mean, I remember I would drink on the rocks because it would water it down so much. You could hold that glass for like an hour. Yep. You know, and, yeah. just, and, and, and there were no giant cubes too. You know? No, no. It was whatever they threw in there. So, okay. So now, and like you, like you said a minute ago, no single malts. No one's really like, there's not really like, that's whiskey. It's blended. Yep. And, and, and also like. You like, start traveling. Yeah. And also in Turkey, we didn't have a lot of Americans at the time, too. And we still don't have a yeah, lot of American whiskeys. South Africa, yeah. yeah, South Africa didn't have any. I mean, I, I, I didn't even, you know, until I went back on one trip. I mean, I've been gone 30 years now, but I remember going back one trip and thinking, I never even saw anything else other than scotch. You know, mm-hmm. very even, very even few Irish whiskeys. Like, they'd be Bushmills. Oh, yeah. But that, oh, especially was, Sada. You know? Yeah, and 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 there was a decent amount of Jameson, but there was nothing American. I mean, you wouldn't see, you know, a bottle of Jim Beam or Maker's Mark or any of that. You just wouldn't see it. Didn't exist in, in yeah, that market. Yeah, yeah. So now you start traveling, and you know you're kind of like you know, similar upbringing where you're drinking it, but it's whiskey, but it's a social experience. Mm-hmm. What like <laughs> what happens? Go. Honestly, like the. The point that I fell in love with whiskey actually was when I was traveling uh, for my education. I traveled to Denmark. I lived there for a year. And my university didn't accept my credit credits in Turkey. And I was like, okay, if you're not expecting accepting that I am going to work here. So I started bartending, get a university bar. Every faculty in Denmark, they have a bar. And they have my bar had like 150 types of beer. And a few good bottles of single malt and blended. And now, when you say a few, what like because you know I had I was talking to Yili, who's you know uh, in Alaska, and he said, yeah, when he first uh-huh. started, there was maybe like forty bottles, and now there's four hundred. So back to that, when you said there's 150 beers, is what like four whiskeys with the guy? I, like I, I, th- I think we had, I think we had seven or eight whiskeys. Uh, if I'm not wrong, definitely Jake Daniels. I I remember that. Other than yeah. Scotch, Jameson, and the rest yeah. was single malt Scotch. Sorry, Jameson, Johnny Walker, and single malt Scotch. And weird enough, in Denmark, I studied in Orvis. All of these single malts 
were repeated. Wow. So my first. Well, I guess I guess the blended the blended whiskeys were all pe- you know repeated, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's just that right now I understand it because they really like peated whiskey in the Nordics, and so that that also made me made uh, one of those single malts, which was my first single malt ever. My first, you know, single malt that I enjoyed was Lafroy Ten, and it was peated. And so those days, like. My bar manager was not allowed to pay me, so he was just letting me try different styles of beers and whiskey. And I created a great interest in Denmark, uh, learning about the alcoholic beverage. And as I said, told you, I was traveling in Europe, I was learning more. I went back to Turkey and there was nothing. So I, I was like, okay, I should inform the people like there are different beverages like this. Like there's Danish beer, there's Belgian beer, there's single malt whiskeys that we have never seen. So I started writing them on my blog. Uh, so I started a blog in, back in 2013, if I'm not wrong, or 12, somewhere there. And there was nothing like that. There was a, there were just a couple blogs that were doing the same, similar thing with me. And it took off. So people were trying to understand. Because as I told you, like I learned from my dad, his friends, that whiskey was a good thing. And Whiskey also is considered to be a luxury item in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why people were really interested to understand that. People were asking questions, writing me messages. And then I started giving education with a couple friends on beer and wine. And everybody was like, when are you going to do the whiskey? Then I did the first whiskey tasting and it sold out. And I, I, I wasn't thinking of anything. I was just thinking about sharing my knowledge, which, start, which sparkled everything because... The first whiskey tasting, I felt exactly like this. Dude, this is amazing. I should make this a part of my life. I should make this a part of my day. And at that point, I was a trained engineer. I was designing marinas and ports, and I was not, I was working in an office. So I was like a legit engineer, and I was like, okay, how can I make this a part of my life? This question actually sparkled everything. I moved to Istanbul. And that gave me a lot of more access to whiskey and different beverages, to restaurants. And my blog became bigger and bigger and bigger. And that there came a point that I was doing two, three tastings a month on whiskey. And it was giving me too much joy. I was also making money, I'm not going to lie. And there came a point that uh, we had a misunderstanding with my boss at the engineering firm. And I was like, okay, I think this is the time. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm doing whiskey from now on. The year was 2016, I guess. And I quit engineering, became a full-time whiskey professional, if you call it that way. I was uh, working with the companies in Turkey because Turkey is also a black market. You cannot promote alcoholic Mm -hmm. beverages, so you have to come up with creative ideas. So that's what I was doing at that point. I learned the business uh, in a big accent. To a big extent, there. Then I was so lucky that I got a green card for to the US from the lottery. Yeah, and I was like, "All right, it looks like I'm going to do this job in the US now," and decided to move to the uh, US, move to San Francisco. I started from scratch. Honestly, I looked for ambassador jobs at the time. I couldn't find, so I was looking at the ads, and there was this ad at a wine store because I had to work, right? I had to make money, so yeah, I went to this wine store 
started working there as a clerk. I was nothing like I was a salesman. Then the owner of the store, Debbie Zacharias in San Francisco, she was like, it looks like you understand from whiskey and spirits. Do you want to be trained as our spirits buyer? And I was like, yeah, I want that. So I started creating connections in San Francisco. A year and a half, I did I did that job. But meanwhile, I was uh, continuing my blog in English, Whiskey Master, as you know. And mm-hmm. that point, I was meeting different brands. I was trying to understand how the business is taken, uh, or like how the business is uh, going on in San Francisco and California, because that's the place I wanted to live in. And I met a lot of people. I met so many brands, brand ambassadors, salespeople. One of the brand ambassadors invited me to a dinner, uh, which was Ajay from Paul John. And Mr. Paul John was there, the chairman. So I met him. And six months later, he came again to San Francisco, wanted to meet me. We met at Palace Hotel. And he was like, okay, let's talk for an hour. And I was like, okay, perfect. We're going to drink whiskey and talk. That's beautiful. Uh, I think I was drinking Talisker at that point. And we had a wonderful talk. And at the end of the talk, he was like, would you like to be our brand ambassador? So that's a turning point of my life. Was the West Coast ambassador for Paul John for a good amount of two years at the time. Then two years later, I moved to Sazerac, 375 Park Avenue Spears as the U.S. ambassador. So I was also the U.S. ambassador for Paul John until last March. And in March, I took a new challenge of bringing the blended whiskey back. So I'm now with Beam Sun Full circle. Yep. Completing the circle. So I'm with Beam Suntory. We have a new blended whiskey coming to the U.S. named Audre. So I took the challenge of introducing you, Audre, in the following months and years. It, it, it was a wonderful uh, 10 years, I will say, when it comes to, you know, I started roughly in 2013 to write about whiskey and now I'm doing something really different but really exciting in the US. I mean you've continued to grow and grow with more and more, you know, over the years I've watched you. So oh, thank you. Let's get down let's let's get into there was something about whiskey that had your palate and that you constantly wanted to explore. And yep. after that, Lafroy, like, you were like, oh, this is peated whiskey. And then did your brain go, hey, I want to maybe try some sherry. I want... Like, there's something happening here. Like, how did, like, run me through that kind of action. So, like, the first whiskey that I could remember uh, from my past, you know, we were drinking a lot of shoes, a lot of Black Label. But the yeah. first whiskey that caught my palate was uh, Johnny Walker Green Label, the old one. Mm-hmm. The complexity of that is still in my mind. I remember having a conversation with my dad. He didn't know how to drink. He probably doesn't still know how to, you know, enjoy, like, smell or whatever. He's the old style. See, I, fe- I felt the same way about the platinum. I don't know why the platinum sang to me. The green was... Mm-hmm. I, I, I know where you... Okay, keep going. Yeah, so, so the green gave me a lot of complexity just because maybe it's blended malt. So it stood up mm-hmm. at that point. So that, that actually got me a lot into this. So in Turkey at the time, we didn't have a lot of things as I was telling you. Then I started drinking Jack Daniels. And from regular Jack Daniels, moving to Gentleman's Jack, moving to single barrel, I actually saw a lot of differences and I was quite in love with that because, you know, it's not it's not our Turkish spirit, which is like 
really boring get the point because there's no different versions there is actually something different in each bottle so i went into understanding what is the difference what is the story behind it what is the history behind it if they have it so that's how i got into it and in denmark when i had my first lafoy it was freaking different i didn't know anything about peat and i tasted it it was greatly different and in with turkish people we have a tendency to like smoky flavors mm-hmm. and i loved it i then i tried to research what's was different about it i asked people and like you know some of all the answers learn different brands like lagavulin or talisker which had peat in it so i dove deep in uh, peat for a while then when i started writing about whiskey in turkey i discovered all of these different regions, single malt making. I was so lucky to go to uh, Balvini, uh, Kinoe, and Glenfiddich distilleries in 2015. And that that was also like, dude, this country is amazing. Whiskey making is amazing. So I think I was really <laughs> lost, on, lost in production because I was like, okay, I'm an engineer. I'm a nerd. I love this thing. So it started with taste. Then my curiosity brought it to the production level. Well, it, it's interesting because on the engineer side of it, if you think of, you know, you take grains, you add water, you get a liquid, you put the liquid in a in a barrel, you put the barrel inside the building, and you wait. Yeah. And you think like, Mother Nature is the engineer of all of that. It's her wood, it's her water, it's her grains. Of course, the, the, there are people involved with, you know, the the mix and everything. And it's kind of like, I, I can understand as an engineer why you're like, dude, this is kind of cool. That mm-hmm. would, it, and, and the outcome is kind of guaranteed, but maybe not because things can change. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you, but you, you said about the nature. And I remember Paul John, I remember when you were with Paul John and we we're like, you know, like you're like, dude, it's so freaking hot over there. You know, you can, you can age something there for four years. It's going to taste like it's seven years old. And it does. It does even even more than that uh, when it comes to those tropical climates. What I, what, but what I really loved about whiskey when I got an understanding of other beverages too was like you can do wine or beer naturally. You can leave it to nature. Yeah, I I, I don't guarantee you the outcome is going to be something great. But when it comes yeah. to whiskey, people and the artistry has to work there. And which is like, you know, distillation is a freaking amazing art for me. Then blending oh is to- blending is totally a different art. It, it exists in winemaking too. But, you know, you plan something, you work on it, you create a different whiskey and you select from hundreds of different whiskeys. You bring a final product together. I think that's what really impresses me with blending. And that's an art. And, you know, I, I have... I, mean, I think that's what blew me away with John. I mean, I think that's what blew me away with John and Compass Box. Like, he literally was, like, just having fun. And you could tell in his whiskeys. Exactly. You that know, That's you why. Know, I don't know. You know, that, that, that he, to me, as far as the whiskey blending and the creativity. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's one of many amazing whiskey blenders out there. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt that he kind of was a little bit more ballsy, for lack of better words, and, and was, like, We'll, let's let's honestly see what happens where the other ones were like, hey, we got to make this. This is what we sell. And the accounting firm said, the accountant said we need 100,000 cases of vanilla. And John was like, yeah, I'm going to throw sprinkles in it. 
Yeah, you know? have fun. John Blazer is one of the characters I love in whiskey making. And, uh, you know, I always shout it out loud. I'm a Compass Box fan. I have dozens of bottles just next to me right now. And I think mm-hmm. well, the reason for that is, first of all, he comes from a background, <laughs> which is John Walker, the IG. Yeah. So, and he didn't stop there. He was doing, he was at the top of the business. Like if, if I did his job right now, like when he, what he was doing at the IG, like that, that would be like, oh, this is amazing. He didn't stop there. He was like, okay, what can I do more? How can I change the whiskey world? I think that's the question. And somebody asked me yesterday, downtown LA, there was a, a bar, which some somehow a lot of ambassadors came together. And somebody that I just met asked me this question, what do you want to, what do you want to do? And I told him like, since I started working in the whiskey industry, I always wanted the same thing, change something in the Scotch world. And I think that's what John did. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the biggest reason I respect him. He changed a big thing. He fought with SWA at the time. He literally changed the whiskey world. And there, there are a lot of characters like him. John is probably the modern day. But you know, there's a lot of people changing the whiskey and the Scotch world. We can talk a lot about this, like the Sherry Revolution and late Japanese impact of Scotch whiskey. That's something we can talk about. American impact on Scotch whiskey. So people are actually working towards it. So I, I love that. And I love the ever, ever growing culture of whiskey. That's why I'm here. Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if I think, you know, obviously started drinking at the same age as you, uh, never really got to really appreciate it until I kind of started buying more of it. I mean, when I would work in my bars and restaurants, I was drinking a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. Like that's what it was when I drank. You know, and then when I, you know, for me, the turning point was the Yamazaki sherry cast that I randomly tried, you know, at a Japanese bar in downtown LA that, well, I forget, the, um, Cloak and, not Cloak and Dagger. Anyway, yeah. Wolf, and, Wolf and Crane, maybe? Wolf and, Wolf and Crane, yeah. Wolf and Crane, and, and it was $80, and people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're going to try an $80 for one ounce or half an ounce, and I'm like, I want to try it, and I'm like, dude, they're doing something. I want to learn everything about what the Japanese do. And then vice versa, I want to learn everything about everybody and what they do. And if a brand will take the 10 or 15 minutes to let me digest it, you get a fan for life. Like, I just want to learn. And I think that's the coolest thing that we get to do all the time. I am so happy with what we are doing. It's like, I'm like, okay, maybe... You know, it's, at the end of the day, that's alcohol. Maybe, you know, my health won't be as longer as I had in my mind, but I'll, I'll be a happy person doing that. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. It's a passion. It's, it's real. It's, you know, like, like, I love what I do for my job in the real world. I'm a sales guy. I love it. I'm very good at what I do. This is like my cigarette. I don't smoke. This whiskey is like the satisfaction that I get is the satisfaction I see on people's faces who smoke a cigarette. Like, I get down to whiskey. I'm like, oh, man, like, this is like, take me down the rabbit hole. Where can we go? Where can we go? Where can we go? I mean, last week, you know, in, in Portland with, with Tommy, you know, drinking that first Suntory 21 green bottle, which is in the museum over there, which was like the predecessor to Hibiki or the Hibiki piano. I mean, I think the most exciting part on the Japanese whiskey is it wasn't cool until yeah. half a dozen years ago. 
So back now, it's cool until it's gonna it get cool. going. Yeah, and now it's you know because and 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 also watching like all these new, not even new, these defunct distilleries making great single malt coming back alive, being like demothballed. You know, like I I drank some Rosebank Thirty One uh, in Vegas, and I'm like, dude, like this is like this is old Scotch. Yep. That's you know, and, and great simple stuff. <laughs> you know, and for guys like us to be in there, you know, drinking, you know, Tommy poured me the old pure malt uh, Yama 18 versus today's Yama 18. And, you know, we'll talk about this for a second because it's part of our business. Like the sherry has even changed. The influence. The power. You know, it's we have, you know, I was talking to Brasco earlier on a thing and it's like, they predicting the the whiskey market to be ninety billion in a couple of years. It's at sixty four. I'm like, of course it is. I mean, if for me going to a whiskey bar, if a bartender can pour me a pour for a hundred and eighty dollars, which takes him, I don't know, what seven seconds, or he can spend eight minutes doing this amazing craft cocktail with a bubble on top and all that shit, he probably take the hundred and eighty dollars all day long for that seven seconds. As a bartender, and people are paying. It's not like it's a thing. It's like how creative and seeing Japanese. I mean, five six years ago, you didn't even see a Japanese whiskey on a bar list. Now there's at least three. I I will be honest with you. Like I have always been distant to Japanese whiskey, and when when you look at my bar, I have a Japanese corner, but I don't have everything. Like I have things that I like. And the main reason for that is I found, I always found Japanese whiskey being a little bit lighter for my and delicate for my palate. That's why I like. Well, it's not like, like for me, you know, I, I and that's a good note on the palate and the ABVs and stuff like that. Because when I first started, I loved the light and the forty twos to forty sixes, and that was great. Yeah. And then I was in I was in Vegas, and there was a I think it was called it was inside Mabel's inside the Palms. It was like a hidden restaurant there and I forget the name on it but they had Black Adder oh yeah and I was drinking like these cast strength legendary whiskeys and I'm like holy shit this is like this is like walking into mother nature and taking your hands and scooping it up and putting it in your mouth nothing touched you know I guess you walked right into the barrel with your two hands open wide and you put it to your face and you said ah this is my whiskey so it's like you know, and and I, and I I agree that the Japanese whiskey, even though these two new eighteen year olds that they just released with a hundred, mm-hmm. the ABV is up, and it's like I don't know, I I like it. I I want to feel I don't want to say the punch, but I want to feel the full body that the whiskey yes. is capable. And when it's too delicate and light in ABV, it's very hard to get the the full effect of it. You know, there there will be always different opinions on that, but yeah. I, I'm on the same page with you. And like over the years, we're I, uh, also different, right? Yeah, we're different. All, I mean, meaning that the average consumer at a bar is not going to be like, "Hey, can I get a 65 percent scotch?" You know, that thing. Nobody's going to target Abelor Abuno every time. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I yeah. In a way, we are, we are so talking now, about the. No, we're talking. We're on the same page. I mean, mm-hmm. for you right now, in your point of your career, you work for a a, a a global company of of magicness, and I did. You know, 
I, I got to try it before you really before you really started talking about it with you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, months ago at this point that I was up with you. Oh yeah. Quite, like for you, the education is still the, at the forefront. Yes. Like learning and learning and learning. Yeah. All the time. I think that's a never ending thing probably. I agree. I, will, I think it's a wrap. I will, I will always ever get let, let, let's put it in this way, uh, Gavin. So when I started Polja, when I started the blog, it was all about educa- educating public about the things they don't know, but I still had mountains of things to learn. And when I started Polja and I was like, dude, this is a different territory. I have no idea about Indian whiskey. Now I got to learn this. In the four year, I'm so happy that I learned it. I... I feel so confident about Indian whiskey and I, I am so happy that that country is actually making magic over there too right now. In a decade, I can, I can only tell you that it's going to become better and better. And I'm also so happy that like my work at Paul John resulted in me getting awards, getting some acknowledgement. So that also makes myself happy. Uh, you know, in uh march in london i got the world whiskey ambassador of the year award and i was like so happy over there seeing whatever i put in the years that was you know somehow well I, and, and, and you know as a as a as a, a person in the same kind of world but not the same world ish to you like i look at all your accomplishments in social media and just as a mm-hmm. person and i go man like that's what brand ambassadors should be doing they should be using their voice to educate and educate and educate. But 90% of them, they, they use their voice to show up at the event and, you know, and then that's it. And then they go home. I'm like, the world is just so much bigger than those 50 people that were in the room. Yeah, and I think that have got a global audience. And I think that's why you win an award like that, because like that should be the, the, the standard of excellence. If you're going to represent a brand is to go and do it everywhere not just like hey when you get paid on a wednesday to go to some bar and do a tasting and then leave and then go hit your accounts during the week it's done online that like for me with rolex whiskey it's all about education education because not every brand has a billion dollars that they can just market and be in every magazine and they make way better whiskey than the ones that can do that Mm -hmm. i totally agree with that and you know i i'm really happy because after march i joined suntory and all I can see is like, like my, my, my duty is to educate. My job is educate. Yes. And that's why I'm so happy about. And all the other ambassadors, like we have a great ambassador team in Santori. And it, it is going to a way that we are just talking. How can we educate? How can we make people aware of the products we have? How we make the products? Why uh, our products excel or, you know, we learn from other people too. I can see a lot of beautiful people out there trying to educate uh, public or you know consumers or uh, the trade with their beverages or even not beverages, even with their ideas. That's amazing. There are a lot of wonderful, wonderful influencers that are working on cocktails. Uh, like a lot of times, I I I'm finding myself being amazed. Like, how did you make that cocktail? Like this. Well, that's to be like a Michelin star chef, like, like they're like chefs, like, you know, that special moment when you say, here's the, like, I watched, you know, Top Chef, Iron Chef. I feel like these craft cocktails need a show like a Top Chef or Iron Chef. We're like, today, these are the seven ingredients. I want you to make a cocktail 
and you're going to present to these like, you know, the judges are going to be these huge award-winning bar programs. And if you get, I just gave the idea away, somebody is going to take it now. But like, but a phenomenon. I'll add one more thing, Gavin. Which just happened yesterday. I was so happy when it happened. So I posted something about Bushmills in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a big 29 plan. and the 26? Yeah, 28, 28 and 29. So the post was most mainly about, uh, I love these two whiskeys. I was blown out. It's freaking, they were freaking good. 28 and 29 year old rare guests. However, one of them was 450, one of them was $750 when I purchased them. And the new one, 30-year-old PX finish, is over two grand like. And I was like, I don't but think I can I can afford that. Like, I won't be able to buy it. And, and I, I asked them, like, did you have any whiskeys like this? Which is the general... I, I, I Of course, I knew that the whiskey is going expensive, but I wanted to hear what yeah. people think about it. And there were some, you know, really good opinions. And there were this one gentleman... Uh, who a friend mentioned, Fernando, Fernando mentioned, this guy is all Bushmills. And the guy uh, replied under that post, oh, I got this whiskey because I read Whiskey Master's review and I trusted it. So that made my <laughs> that made my heart beat faster. It, it, is what I, it is what I was looking for when I started this. I, I mean, so that's you, you know, my, my, the, my Bushmills moment is Michter's. I mean, if I think that over a faulty wax... The hospitality that Joe showed to me, and I just kept on enjoying. And people come like, I didn't try whiskey at Mictus until I saw you. I tried Mictus because I saw you drink it. I tried Mictus. I'm like, dude, like, this is uh, this is like the biggest compliment you can see that people actually, first of all, that they're reading, which is nice. There was no reason. That thing like <laughs> that they're reading right there is like great. They didn't just look at the picture, click like, and keep moving, uh, you know. And they did something. And then the fact that. What we talk about is so authentic. Like we're not paid to go like, hey, I like this stuff. Meanwhile, you and I would never drink it. You know, it's like that's the part that I love the most about watching it all is the authenticity when it's real. Now, Clark, we've been talking for a lo- we've been talking for a long time. I want to get to one big two you're probably gonna have two answers to this question. Give me I know you've done a lot of amazing stuff with whiskey. I know you've had a great, you know, decade now doing this. Are there one or two standout moments where you wanted to pinch yourself and go, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm doing this? Oh. There are, there are a few you will not see. Yes. No, no, I know. <laughs> this is never an easy question to ask. Because when people are truly passionate, like my guests are, like dude, like come on! I've, I've like I've spent my life in the perpetual hunt of whiskey passion. You want me to isolate it down to one or two? <laughs> that that like I, I and I like because of my job, I did a lot of events. I think honestly, I will be saying that uh, March thirtieth in London when I won the award, I was really, I was really like I can't believe this happening. Finally, uh, so that 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 that's like that was really special moment for me in my career and i mean i th- give me and give me a, a whiskey what like a, a whiskey you like i can't anything i mean i know you got lots whiskey oh yeah all right i, I got lots i gotta turn back and see what i have because there's definitely one or two that i don't believe that i was drinking uh i can i'll give you two examples if you don't mind yeah 
uh, if you're totally good with that. So what at the first was, uh, I told you I was a big fan of Compass Box. Yep. And I was, and this is also going to give you a wonderful story. I was in the tasting in Turkey at a different city, Izmir. And there was this whiskey enthusiast who wanted to meet me. And I was with another professional. So we, three of us, we met. And it was close to my birthday. He came up with this Lost Blend bottle. Uh, Compass Box to Lost Blend. Which is still, uh, to date, one of the one of my favorite bottles from Compass Box. He brought that bottle. I could never get enough to, of that bottle. That was a beautiful whiskey. It's like, my God, I cannot believe this happening. Because this is just incredible. And he gifted me that bottle. I had it for a while. Then after I moved to San Francisco... I actually found a case of it, so uh, I'm so happy that I, I, I was able to buy it. The second moment was, I think, last year in New York. So thanks to my job with Sazerac, I was also able to uh, manage Glamari and Kadisark uh, whiskeys, their advocacy. And I came up with this because I was always collecting the old Kadisark bottles. I came up with this idea of why don't we do vintage tastings? And one of those vintage tastings was um, inquired from New York, our friend James Walton. He asked me, like, can you come and do a tasting? I was like, I will happily do it. And he bought a dozen of bottles from the auction. And I went to New York. We had a great tasting. We talked about the story of blended whiskey and everything. And one of the bottles was this 1928 bottle from Barry Bros and Rod. Which is the first cut? It's one of the first cut. Yeah. So we opened the cork with Aso, and I put the cork down. We had so little of it, like each of uh, participants. But that whiskey was fabulous because you are tasting history, and whiskey was still intact. And if you ask me how it tastes like, it tastes like Macallan and Talisker with grain whiskey. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that that was that was incredible. I I don't think I will be able ever able to be forget about that whiskey. That was wonderful moments for me. So I I well, have dozens of those moments. Exactly, it is. It's such it an is. interesting period though because I remember years ago I went Sotheby's we found a lot of pre 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 prohibition uh, <laughs> prohibition whiskeys. I shouldn't even say that. And they had a, like a Bushmills from like. 1917. Oh. That was just nuts. It was just nuts. I mean, everything we yeah. drank there that night, because they were opening it up to make sure, like, before they put it on auction, I'm like, who, 1904, 1906, 1917. I'm like, nuts. This is wild. Cor, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Um, yeah, th this was so much fun. That, 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 that went by really fast. Do you yeah, want to tell people how to follow you on social media or anything you want to plug or anything? Sure. On social media, I'm Whiskey Monster. This is my account for everything. If you want to specifically follow me on my new brand, it is Korai underscore Audre, A-R-D-R-A-Y, uh, with Audre Whiskey. Uh, but, you know, I'm an open book. Ask me anything, inquire anything. If I know it, I will say. If I don't know, I will learn and share. That's what I do. I think that's spoken from the heart. Uh, truly a privilege to have you in my life, my friend. You're one of the you're one of the bonus rounds of this whole industry. 
Uh, we've been friends. We've seen it. We've seen a lot of cool stuff. We've eaten a lot of good food, drank a lot of great whiskey, and too many, 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 many more. We should do more of that a little bit soon. Well, folks, thank you for listening for another great edition of Whiskey Passion. I will keep bringing you people that honestly, whiskey has touched their hearts, their souls, their lives. Guys like Corey and many others that just truly are passionate because it's something special. And I think that the coolest thing is that most of the people that you'll hear me talk to have never set foot to make a life out of this and have made a life out of it. Pretty darn cool. So that's it. I'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening and we'll chat soon.